How's it going, everybody? I'm Ryan, he's Abby, and we are the Expansion Bros. And today, guys, well, the World Juniors is over, and Woo. Team USA is victorious, coming away oh, with the gold boo. in a dominant win US over bad. the US Swedes. Bad. On US their bad. home ice, too. So, hey, Canada didn't even make it to the semis. Canada. You they guys got bounced by Czechia, the, the bronze medal winners, and, and you know, led by Buffalo Sabres' own Yuri Kulik. Fair enough, fair enough. Yeah, no, this was, uh, after winning back-to-back -back golds, you know, sometimes you just have to, you have to sandbag a little bit, you know, sometimes you have to bring some bottom six grit to a World Juniors tournament instead of getting the best talent available, you know? If you want to win a championship, who needs Sidney Crosby? You know, if, you know what? Canada would have beat the U.S. even better in the Olympics if instead of Sidney Crosby, we got Brandon Prost. Obviously. I, Obviously. I question your judgment. Of course. No, 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 no. This isn't my judgment. This is the judgment of the great leaders of Team Canada's World Junior Selection Committee. We need less Sidney Crosby and more Brandon Prust. Oh. Now, yeah, if you hear me talking like this, it's because I'm referencing the World Wrestling Federation, who's a... a uh, oh my goodness gracious. You're struggling over there. Event I attended. See, I was mixing up my E's and my A's. Whose event I attended. Um, Smackdown was in uh, Vancouver um, on Friday. And uh, very uh, thankful my cousin got tickets for us to go. Had some wonderful seats almost ringside. Just on like the... If you know where the boards are in hockey, basically we were on the boards. And then there's some more <laughs> seats where the ice would be. But yeah, very cool. Great show. Uh, everybody loves Randy Orton right now. Which uh, hasn't changed for twenty years, so that's kind of cool. I, I love. I just love how you just asked. Well, we're on a hockey podcast right now. If if people listening know where the boards are um, <laughs> in the rink, so keep your head up, Abby. Um, speaking of that USA Sweden game, that got chippy. Speaking of keep oh, yeah. your head up, that that hit. That I, oh, I forgot who it was. Uh, I think it was the USA captain laid the boom on somebody after after they got rid of the puck could have been interference i don't know but that game mm -hmm. got chippy um sweden sweden i feel like they never really kicked it into high gear at all through the tournament like the usa mm -hmm. peaked down the stretch there like you could definitely tell that usa hit their stride yeah um they beat finland right they the usa played this kind of game they got guys to buy in and play a role right you mentioned team canada not bringing all their stars because they wanted to bring role players I think yeah. it's more important to ask your star players to buy in and play a specific role. I mean, for instance, Anton yeah. Wahlberg being more of a grinder on a line with Lekkermaki and Noah Osland, um, yeah. instead of, you know, trying to be this, this dominant, like, Hey, look at me. Right. And that takes a lot, right? These kids know that they're scouts and the whole world is watching the whole hockey world. Yeah, no, for sure. And, uh, and that's the thing about great players is they can do it all. Right, if you if you're mm -hmm. getting the best talent, it's not like they're magically gonna forget how to play defense, right? And especially, you know, like you look at those Olympic teams, Canada, USA, they're not going and getting you know third line defensive centers. They're they're getting like Crosby. They're they're getting like uh, the great American players, right? They're they're getting these guys, and not all of them get to be on the first line. Some of them have to sit there and be shut down, like Ryan Getzlaff on Team Canada was a shutdown guy, right? You still had, like, Crosby as offense, or, like, on America, you had, like, Jamie Langenbrunner and Zach Parise, you know, as, like, offensive options. But you had other great Americans who had to play shutdown roles. And it's the same in um, it's the same in the World Juniors. You'll find, I think, 
che, the, one of the reasons Czech Republic did so well this year uh, is they a they played their roles, and b I think European countries have a bit more of an ability to have upsets like they did against Canada because a lot of them play together a lot more than say the Canadian players or the U.S. players you know who play in different colleges, who play in um, different uh, junior teams. Uh, a lot and of those just, European players play together, and, and just like. Uh, distance wise, right? You can mm-hmm. play in college, right? But you're playing Denver and Boston University. I mean, they may see twice yeah. a year, right? They're not they're yeah. not. I mean, they may have grown up playing for the US national development team together, but that's probably the last time a lot of these guys um have seen each other. But you know, yeah. to that point, I'm I'm just pulling up projected or guesses to what Team USA's roster could look like for the 2024 World Cup of Hockey. I mean, you got Austin Matthews mm. as the first line center, Oof. and you're putting Jack Eichel on the second line center, and you've got Jack Hughes as a third line center, right? So it's one of those things that you don't leave Jack Hughes home because you no. want a third line defensive center. <laughs> you just have Jack Hughes play third line, and, and you know you un- understand what that comes with, right? I mean, you got yeah. a guy that can. I mean, you're not leaving Jack Hughes home, and then you know, obviously, you've got. Um, Tage Thompson's not even listed on the roster. I think he's not even an honorable mention, right? So uh, yeah. he's not had the greatest start to the year, although he has looked back. We'll touch on that later. But, you know, mm-hmm. Tage Thompson is another guy that, hey, throw him on the wing or something. Throw him on, on the Absolutely. wing with JT Miller on the fourth line. And Absolutely. boom. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, now yeah. let's go ahead and talk about some of the prospects that 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 we had. I know you were mm-hmm. basically locked in on Sweden. I was... I was kind of all over the place. You mentioned Czechia, mm-hmm. uh, led by Yuri Kulik, who led the tournament in points. And, uh, you know, I think he did his job. He he basically is the yeah. catalyst for the offense. Um, mm-hmm. He didn't. One of the things that he struggled with and, you know, small sample size and stuff. But one of the things he struggled with in Rochester, too, has been his transition game. Mm-hmm. It, in the world juniors, you can get away with it because things are really structured, right? This mm-hmm. guy will be our transition guy. Like you can get away with that, it, it, you know, in, in, at the junior level and the world juniors. But if Kulik is actually going to be anything more than a power play merchant, um, you know, more than what Victor Olofsson used to be. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I definitely think that you know, despite leading the tournament in points, points are great. We all love points. We all need points. But at the same time, I think yeah, he may need to work on that part of his game. Um, we'll jump over to Sweden now. Uh, Noah Oslin, yeah. I thought I thought he was very dynamic. Obviously, I thought he was, mm-hmm. uh, you know, first line center looked great. He had three goals but seven assists. Obviously, helping Lekromaki, um, your boy mm-hmm. over there in Vancouver, yeah. <laughs> uh, to have a great se- uh, great tournament. Excuse me, ten points in seven games. It's great. And then plus six, fifty two and a half percent on the draw. So Sabres fans that are clamoring for more faceoffs and more faceoff wins. <laughs> um, Maybe Austin could come up and I don't know. There's a lot of roster stuff we can talk about. I, I'm excited to get towards the end of the season, not because I want it over or anything like that, but just because so much will clear up, right? Can Noah Oslin become a third line center and we just bridge Casey Middlestat for two years? I don't know. We'll talk about that in a, in a little bit, but what did you see from the Vancouver prospects when you watched the tournament? Yeah, I'll touch on three of them. I'll touch on Elias Pettersson. Uh, not that one. Um, uh, Tom <laughs> Willander and Jonathan Lekker-Mackey. Uh Patterson and Willander were both fine. Uh, I think they played second fiddle to Axel Sandin Palika a little bit uh, on that Swedish defense core. But I thought uh, Willander was solid. I thought Patterson was solid. Both of them uh, did their jobs and were able to contribute here and there. Uh, Jonathan Lekker-Mackey, if you don't know, was the MVP of the tournament. 
of the uh, silver medal finishing uh, Swedish team. And I think it was very obvious, like, especially if you watch their power play, their goal was to feed Lecker Mackey to shoot. And then if he scores, he scores. Otherwise, try and, like, you know, tip it, have a screen in front. It was very clear he was the focal point of an offense and he thrived in that role. So that, as a Canucks fan, is very, very nice to see. Um, we have a couple of holes, you know, opening up, you know, especially with the cap coming up, we're going to have to, you know, re-sign Elias Pettersson, uh, eventually re-sign Quinn Hughes, Demko, all these guys, right? So we're eventually going to lose some depth here. Right now the depth's great, but eventually we're going to have to lose it. So we're looking for people to fill in those slots. And uh, Lecker Mackey is looking like our most prominent uh, prospect on on uh, forward, and he's looking great. And Swedes have always done well in uh vancouver you know from the sedines you know we had matt sundin for a little bit marcus Naslin, who i recently met very nice guy um as well as uh, uh of course elias petterson alex edler you know we, we just had swedes for a long time so it, it just makes a ton of sense um yeah lecker maki will hopefully fingers crossed do well here as well and based on his goal scoring prowess lead tied for the league um, the tournament lead in goals um I see no indication as to why he can't succeed on this team. We got lots of great playmakers too, people who can feed him if he plays in the top six or, you know, the way the bottom six has been playing, you know, shout out that best third line in the NHL. If he plays there, he'll have uh, plenty of fun as well. Well, and it's one thing I'm looking at your roster right now and somebody who's really fallen out of favor is Andre Kuzmenko, you know, previous 40 mm-hmm. goal scorer, fallen out of favor. Wonder if Lecker Maki is the guy to, I mean, to thrust him in and say, hey, in the next two years, can you go score 40 for us is a yeah. lot. But to, <laughs> to go say like, hey, you are kind of our new goal scorer in the middle six that Kuzmenko used to be, but we don't like Kuzmenko anymore. I'm done playing with you, Kuzmenko. Lecker Maki is my new best friend. Um, <laughs> you know, maybe he could slot in somewhere like that. And that's one of those things that we, when we talk about these world juniors, it's so exciting to look at all these players and Oh, Sturbach looked great. The right-handed defenseman currently playing at Michigan State looked, uh, you know, great uh, as a Sabres prospect. Mm-hmm. Can't wait to see him potentially get a shot in the NHL next year, maybe two years away. Um, if his development continues to look like it has, right? Great tournament. We've had guys that have been relatively unknown and then all of a sudden have a great tournament. Hello, Devin Levi. Um, <laughs> and get put on the map, right? Uh, but one, one, one guy that, I, you know, talking about spots, Matthew Savoy. Now he only played four mm-hmm. games. I believe it was due to an injury. Yeah. But I mean, four games played. He was part of that ten goal win. Uh, he got one point, one assist, was a plus two. His analytics look good, but again, that's even smaller sample size. He's played about yeah. half the games of some of the other guys, and it's just one of those. He looked horrible in his first mm. game. I, I was there. I was in the building, and I was there sitting with my buddy. Uh, we have season tickets together, and we mm. looked, and we're like, dude. Savoy is like he's not ready like you see Benson year younger same team in the in in juniors before Savoy got traded I believe recently um in juniors Mm -hmm. and and it was just like they're 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 night and day different and Savoy I'm not I'm not writing him off right he's not like a guy that's oh he's got no potential or future but you just start to wonder does Kevin Adams look in a week or two here to potentially try and save the season, adding something to the blue line, maybe, or I don't know, making some kind of move in the off season to, uh, to acquire a d- defenseman. I, I just keep saying defense because our forward core is like, there's not many spots there. Right. And that's, that's why we're saying move Savoy and some picks, maybe get something back. But so he, uh, uh, the list of prospects that I would probably move on from 
this summer, he's up there at the top. Now, I'm not saying mm-hmm. actively shop him, but if you want to go, like, I don't know, Philip Peronic becomes available. I'd no. gladly give away. No. <laughs> um, I, I know I said that to get a rise out of you, but you know, that's the kind of like, that's the kind of trade. Like you didn't see the Heronic trade coming last year with Detroit. You guys gave up no. first. Wonder if some kind of trade like that at the deadline this year yeah. could position us not for the playoffs this year, but for the start of next season in a much better position. You know, a guy that you can come in, get him acclimated now and then hit the ground running at the start of next season. Cause it is tough. Uh, mm-hmm. to to just come in and assimilate and make a huge impact. We saw with Timo Meyer, right, and Jacob Chikrin at the deadline, right. So th- th- those mm-hmm. those kinds of trades are, are in my mind. Yes, it's nice to have those talented guys because they could be stars for you yeah. in the playoffs. But um, it's just one of those things. You, you just gotta wonder what's going on. Like we we don't have enough spots for all these guys. Yeah. No. Definitely. And I think. Um... With with um, sorry, <laughs> um, with Savoy, he's it, it reminds me a bit of uh, kind of Hoaglander and Pod Colson situation where Pod Colson's kind of in the minors right now. You know, he was a high draft pick, and you're expecting him to bloom at some point, but it's taking longer than you'd hope. Um, and then you have Hoaglander at the same time. You know, who was rocking it on that second line, taking like I think it was almost directly thirty picks after him. Uh, and he and he's already ready, right? So it's it's very easy to get impatient with these prospects, and so, and sometimes you know this is a good time to see like if they are going to end up being bust, this is the perfect time to trade them when they're still going to have value. But you, there's also the chance, you know, you look at like I'm sure the Blues don't feel super good about trading Tage Thompson now. You know, they probably well they wish did they end up winning on. the cup in that trade. They won the cup that season. That's so true. that's true. They they got O'Reilly. <laughs> they probably feel fine. It's kind of one of those, this this stuff doesn't really happen all that often, but it's a no-lose mm-hmm. trade. Although I feel like the Sabres have been kind of a part um, over the last, I think, want to say like five years. They've kind of been parts of, the big deals have been no-lose, right? Win-win, mm-hmm. right? Uh, trading Sam Reinhart, who's going berserk in Florida. Yeah. Um, and we, we got Devin Levi and the pick that we used to take, Yuri Kulik. Yeah. I'm I'm fine. I, I love Sam Reinhart. And I'm happy for him. I miss him, but... You know, he's, she's, hey, I, it was, it was the right time to move him. Um, yeah. and then we, I believe we got Osland, um, out of the pick that we traded Rasmus Ristolainen. And now the, I don't really know. If no, that, that was a win guy. trade. Rasmus Ristolainen absolutely <laughs> sucks. That's not a win lose or win win trade. That's a win trade. That, uh, Ristolainen Which team is sucks. in a playoff spot right now, Abby? Which team's in a playoff spot? The Canucks were in playoff spots with bums on their fourth lines during the freaking uh, like we we had what, Anton Roussel and these bums on our team during freaking our bubble run. Like that doesn't mean anything. That means nothing. Well, the to bubble's me. different. That's twenty four teams out of like thirty one. But um, but then obviously the Jack Eichel trade, right? Krebs, mm-hmm. uh, a first round pick that I believe we used to. Do we take Kulik with that pick? I think we no 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 no. That no, was the he said Kulik was from the other one. Yeah. I forget. I, I forget what we took with that pick. But anyway, we got we got Tuck and Krebs and those two yeah. guys. Krebs is centering the fourth line. Tuck is a first line right winger who's putting up mm-hmm. 70 points a season plus right point yeah. per game last year. But I, I don't know. We've been part of these no lose trades. But like you said, these guys, these they still have, you know, they still showed some flashes at the world juniors. They still have the scouting on them from their pre-draft process and are now, you know, looking, you know, GMs across the league can still say, hey. 
I still believe in that guy. He may not make make uh, make sense for your roster, but I think he's going to make sense for my roster. Mm-hmm. And uh, speaking of roster, you guys, you guys just keep killing it, man. I, JT Miller with 53 points now in 39 games. He's going to hit 20 goals uh, here in probably a day or two. Uh, yeah. Brock Besser with 24 <laughs> already. I mean, you guys have have seven players in double figures for goals already, and we're not even at the halfway point of the season. So you guys are on pace to have potentially seven 20 goal scorers if, if we mm-hmm. project out that everything's going to yeah, carry yeah. over. But but the yeah. goals are flowing. The good times are rolling in Vancouver. Um, if I just take a look at your game log, how did you guys do recently? Yeah, we went two and one. Um, we had a bit of a tough loss to the Blues. We lost that one two to one. It was a tight game the whole time. A good performance from Demko. Um, and then, sorry, I should go in order, actually. That would probably um, be helpful. <laughs> uh, the first game was a game against Ottawa. We won that one 6-3. to three. Um, And uh, I think that was the last Tuesday. Um, that, one, that one was okay. Like, the Canucks were fairly dominant early, and then they kind of took their uh, foot off the gas. Um Elias Pettersson traditionally does very well against the Ottawa Senators. I think he had two goals that game. Um, so he's been heating it up recently, which is nice to see. Um, and overall, Demko let in three goals, but he, I think he had like a 921 save percentage. So still quite efficient. I would say overall a good game. And uh, it's always a good game when the offense uh, shows up, as we'll see later. That the second game, again, to go to the Blues, 2-1 loss uh, in regulation. Um it was an okay game. Like I, I wouldn't say the Canucks played particularly poorly, but Bennington was solid. Uh, Demko was also solid. Um, but uh, the Canucks just had five or six chances, five or six empty nets, and they just could not hit it. You know that that good old PDO regression via shooting percentage, as they say. Uh, as someone, I know says. that's going to be the theme of this <laughs> podcast. It's just I'm going to be Ryan PDO. That's that's going to be yeah. my name, but. I mean, it is it is happening. I'm looking at your stats right now. It's not happening significantly, but you guys aren't yeah. on the, that that bender you were for like the first half of the season where you're shooting your first game of the season where you won eight one over the Oilers. You guys had a one twenty six PDO. Yeah. And we talk about one hundred <laughs> being the benchmark. I mean, good God. Yeah. I mean, obviously when you put up eight, but you know, I, I'm looking at the stats, and it was one of those things. I saw that I was like, what that what the heck happened? Like, uh, you know, because I was doing my research. Um, mm-hmm. And I saw that Blues game, right? I'm like, they lost two to one. What kind of game was that? Was that just unlucky? And mm-hmm. you guys generated a decent amount around the net. I'm looking at the shot yeah. map right now, and there's like a lot of blue dots in that blue paint. Yeah. Um, just just one of those games where it didn't happen for you. Um, but everything came together against the Devils, it looked like. A team that's been fighting, basically, to keep their playoff hopes alive. Yeah, no, uh, I'm very happy with the skaters' performance in that game. Now, skaters includes forwards, and it includes defensemen. Unfortunately, that does not include goalie. This is uh, not a great game for Demko. Four goals against, not a great save percentage. Luckily, the offense bailed him out. Um, I believe it was 4-2 at the end of the second, and then they made it close again. Actually, no, it was um, it was 3 nothing, and then they made it 3-2, and then Garland got a goal at the end of the second period to make it 4-2. Seconds two. after. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, very quick response to shut down that Devils uh, flurry and then managed to get an empty netter after the Devils made it 5-4. Um, that, was a, that was a very unselfish goal, by the way. Miller was on for a hat trick, and he passes it away to Dakota Joshua to get him to that 10-goal mark. So that was... Um, That's... 
very unselfish of him. And I think that speaks to Miller this year is he's just been brilliant in every way. He's been a great on defense, at least, well, great considering what we consider JT Miller to relatively be. I hope he gets more than one Selkie vote this year because last year that was very funny because he did not deserve any Selkie votes and him getting was funny. <laughs> this year he might actually deserve like five votes. So I hope he gets his recognition. Um, but on offense too, he's just firing in all cylinders. And it's funny, you know, the, We'll talk about this later, but the way the all-star selection is done, he's like, what, fifth in scoring in the league, and he's not an all-star? You know? that's Yeah, it's something weird about the fact that everybody's got to have an all-star, and then it's up to the fans to vote the rest of the roster, which, honestly, I I don't mind that, right? I'd rather... Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know. I'd rather, I, I guess that is the only way to do it. Cause I, you know, listen, I, I've been a fan that you, you know, you've been there too, but being a fan mm. of a team that's been down in the yeah. basement of the league, like we have one or two guys that I'd like to see play, you know, mm -hmm. with Austin Matthews, right? Like, like yeah. for, I mean, we had Jack Eichel for a few years, Sam Reinhart, right? We, I want to yeah. see those guys go to the all-star game. Cause I know they're great. They're just not surrounded by the talent to make the team great, to get the recognition. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so Obviously, if you're going to pick somebody, Quinn Hughes is just having a ridiculous season. I think he's second in the NHL uh, in goals among defensemen. Behind mm -hmm. Rasmus Dahlin. But I will say, <laughs> oh, I was wondering why he picked that stat. You didn't pick points where he's first. You're like, goals. I'm like, oh, where's he going with this? Oh, that makes sense. <laughs> hey, I got to celebrate something. But, uh, hey, but hey, no. You do you. <laughs> uh, you guys, you guys had an absolutely phenomenal game uh, against the Devils. I'm, I'm just kind of, I'm just kind of skimming yeah. through the stats. I mean, the Cole Juleson pairing, is that something? Is that something that's like sustainable? Or is that just kind of like they had their day? I think they had their day, right? I, I'm very hot and cold on Ian Cole and Noah Jolson as individuals, let alone as a pairing myself. Um, but uh, I, I would say, like, <clears throat> compared to, like, last year, right, Noah Jolson being our seventh defenseman uh, is very different than, like, Oscar Fantenberg being our seventh defenseman in the past, you know, where it's like, uh, I don't even know if this guy should be in the league, and he isn't anymore. So that's fairly telling. Riley Stillman? Riley Stillman, tank Bell. commander? <laughs> yeah, oh my god. <laughs> I remember he was doing hey, okay for you. he was good. He was yeah. okay for you guys, and now look where he is. He's where he belongs in the minors. Well, and it, and it, well, it's one of those things, too, though. You, you, you look at, we talk, we've talked about this season, right? System mm -hmm. and player fit, right? Mm -hmm. And I And I think that maybe is something that Don Granado ignored this season for us. And we talked about it with the Canucks that Tockett came in, installed the system. You guys have the players that play that system. Kuzmenko is not one of those guys. Yeah. Um, and, and look at where you are, right? You're flying high top part of the league, right? I don't, mm -hmm. I, I don't have the standings memorized or have yeah. it up here, but you know, you guys, you guys are killing it. And it's just like Stillman did not fit the, the Canucks. Um, system i mean I, obviously it's changed a lot you guys went from bruce to now uh you went from green i'm gonna miss some but green yeah. bruce talk it like yeah. all over the board here when we're talking like what kind of coach we got yeah. um so so i mean i mean you guys you guys finally have a roster that i think is meshing that's clicking you mentioned that third mm -hmm. line connor garland just i've always been a big connor garland fan but holy yeah. moly man i mean i'll talk about him every week on the podcast if i can yeah, no, like that third line is something you can set your watch to. It is the most reliable third line I've seen maybe ever. I think they've had a goal now. I can't even tell you how many games. It's been at least 10 or 12. Like, Joshua. At what point had... do we call it the second or first line? 
You know what? They're starting to, the second and first line. I finally starting to score some goals. So I think we can keep okay. them the first and second line. But yeah, there's like the blues game. They were the ones who got the goal. Like every yep. single game, they're getting a goal. One of Bluger, Garland or Joshua. And like, not just getting a goal, you know, like one of them stayed on with the first line. They're getting a goal as a unit, right? They got a goal as a unit. And Dakota Joshua got an empty netter out there with um like Miller and Pedersen or something like, they're they're I it's it's incredible to me like they just have the, the ultimate it feels like you know you're playing like NHL 24 and you've just got a line with plus five chemistry and they're going up against the opposing third lines and there's just absolutely shit kicking them like well ev- it's, you it's guys amazing. have a luxury that a lot of teams don't have not not many teams have two lines that are legitimate top two lines let alone a third line that could be a second line on anybody else's roster well i shouldn't say anybody else but mm. most rosters in the league your third line probably is a second line i mean yeah. i don't know with with the production i'll give you guys the credit talent wise i don't know i i, I really like our top nine like i think yeah. it's finally settled but mm-hmm. i mean you guys have a second line as your third line and it's obviously paying off yeah, I think the other thing is too, like a lot of these guys were underrated. Like Connor Garland didn't have the best year in the world last year. Um, you look at Dakota Joshua, he was always kind of seen as that, like it's like him and Nils Oman were like the guys we were expecting to play together on the fourth line, not the third line. And again, Teddy Bluger, you know, if you're listening to like Rachel Dory and stuff, everybody was like, oh, well, you know, ideally he's your fourth line center instead of your third line center. But they're playing really, really well together and they're all showing like, you know, if you look at those names individually, you know, you you think of them as, you know, maybe Garland you do think as a third, second liner, but uh, you look at Joshua, you think fourth liner. Bluger, apparently, analytically, people thought fourth liner, but they're going out and they're proving everybody wrong, or maybe it's one of those things where together they're more um, the sum of their parts combined, right? It's, um, yeah, they're, they're doing really, really well together, and I'm very happy for them, and I'm it's really helping us out right now because it's getting us, you know, in games that we shouldn't and helping us win games by a bigger margin and kind of give us that level of comfort, right? That extra goal, you know, without that, there's no empty netter needed and it's a tie game, right? So that's mm-hmm. all you ask out of your bottom six is to contribute and make that difference. And you try to leave the, the, the big guns to do the rest and they're doing more than their share right now. So hopefully they can keep it up, but far from sustainable, I think. Um, uh, well, it's just one of those things. We started the show talking about putting the right players in the right roles, and here we are again. You know, mm-hmm. Connor Garland, I think, is the guy that's elevating that line, but one guy doesn't make a, a team. One guy doesn't make a line to yeah. the NHL. That's one of the things that separates it from, like, the NBA, where, you yeah. know, you've got Steph Curry, your team's guaranteed 20 wins because Steph's just Not this good. year. Not this year. Well, well yes, <laughs> but you know, you know what I mean. Um, but you know, you, you've, you've got the guys they're playing and you know, one of the things that I, I thought you guys always had like the forward core. you, did yeah. you have the elite horses? Yeah, you do. Um, did you have the depth? There's a lot of depth guys. They just need to find the right mix. <clears throat> um, it was the defensive core. I mean, obviously Tyler Myers on your middle pairing looks like he's doing fine. Right. I mean, he's one of those that I'd prefer him to be the fifth defenseman, but again, yes, right roles, right pairings. He's doing fine. So yeah. Uh, and, and, and it's go ahead. No, I was going to say that the, the, it's a, the twin tower pairing of uh, Zadorov and uh, Tyler Myers. Um, they're not the fastest, but I think Zadorov is actually quite strong defensively, so he tends to help Tyler Myers out a bit. Um, I, I think it's still... Former Sabre, former Sabre pairing! You guys have a former <laughs> Sabre pairing! <laughs> it's no wonder that sometimes, like, you can tell when they're on the ice sometimes, because, like, that's usually when the giveaways are. Um, 
Yeah, but, I'm used to that. <laughs> <laughs> but there's still like it's still a massive improvement, right? Like Tyler Myers is doing a lot better. Like I think even if he when he is on the middle pairing, they're making sure to reduce his minutes, right? Because Hughes and Roenick are really those minute munchers, and then you have like Ian Cole and all these other guys um to eat more minutes as well so that kind of lessens the burden on tyler myers and again ideally like you said tyler myers is on your bottom pairing that being said yeah, and i think uh, oh sorry go ahead. like you said like well i'm just looking at the time average time on ice you know you obviously have hughes and Hronick over 23 minutes each 24 yeah. 33 for hughes mm-hmm. munching minutes yeah uh and then your third most minutes is ian cole who based on the depth chart is on the third pairing mm-hmm. um either way uh, you've got Zadorov then at eighteen twenty-seven, Myers mm. at nineteen oh five. So right there, right there, he's like your fourth defenseman, third defenseman. So it is what it is. Uh, mm. I think you guys, it's rolling, right? And and yeah. you know, speaking of uh, of rolling, well, you guys apparently are linked with, um, according to the Athletic, Jordan Greenway. Where like. Yeah. Do you see? Do you envision a spot for him? Because they said he. Um, I, I forgot who the article was by, but they they mentioned that you guys were sniffing around Greenway even when he was back in Minnesota. So yeah, what do you see about that? So a couple things to talk about there. Um, first of all, there was always rumors of Besser to Minnesota, just because that's where he's from, for either Jason Zucker or Jordan Greenway or both. Uh, a, very glad that didn't happen. Uh, respectfully, of course, Jordan Greenway and Zucker. But um, <laughs> that that was a good hold off. Thank you, Jim Benning, for not screwing up this team more than you already did. Uh, but Jordan Greenway is an interesting player, you know. I think my opinion of him personally isn't quite where it used to be. Um, you know, he's he's a good little player, and I think he could fit in the bottom six. But as we were talking about, he would not be playing in our top six. They're already, those guys are already set. If we were to get someone to play in the top six, they'd have to be a big time player. Um, so he's not fitting on that first line, right? We're not going to, it's for the first line is uh, um, kind of Kuzmenko or depending on how talking feels, someone else, Patterson and Mikheyev. That second line, again, depending on who's rolling can be Phil Giuseppe or Hoaglander or someone else along with Miller and uh, Besser. And then the third line, you don't touch Garland, Bluger, uh, Dakota Joshua. And then the fourth line, you still have Pia Suter, who often moves up into those roles when you want him to. Sam Lafferty, who's moved up into both those roles, of both the Hoaglander spot, as well as playing with Mikheyev and Patterson. And again, both of them have done so effectively scoring goals on those lines. Um, and then you kind of have more of our depth, like Nils Amon and, and the other players. The only place, again, I see Greenway filling is maybe that fourth line if you decide you want to permanently put Suter or Lafferty up on that first or second line. Um, but right, other... you're not, you're not breaking up that third line. We just no, talked no about how, no chance about, about how it's like a great third line, how it's clicking, how it's rolling. And it's one of those things like I see why you guys would like Greenway. He's playing on our third line right now with Middlestat and Benson, the line, everybody's got their roles. It's a great line. It's kind of exactly like, when you do it on paper, this is what I want my third line to be. And there it mm-hmm. is right with that, with, with, with them there. And I just, you know, I'm looking like who's sitting if Greenway's going to play and not to mention, we haven't even started to talk about what you guys would have to give up to get them. Cause I think that makes, I think that makes this conversation moot. I I, I don't think, I, I know it's a report from the athletic and they're yeah. reliable, but I mean, and you guys may want him, but I don't think a deal's ever going to be reached. But uh, to my question, who would you sit uh, if you had to play Greenway tomorrow night? 
Well, that's my question. What is Jordan Greenway even worth, respectfully, right? Like, he's had, last season, he had 11 points. See, last season, he was battling injury, I believe. This season, he's looked ex- he, he's looked great. I love Jordan Greenway. Big uh-huh. body, and he uses it, right? You know, we'll talk about the Sabres games in a minute, but you and I both watched the Columbus game, and one of the comments you had was, Tage Thompson doesn't play like he's 6'6". Well, let yeah. me tell you what. Jordan Greenway plays like he's 6'6", mm-hmm. and he just kind of, like, stiff... Like, it's amazing. He just stiff-arms people um, coming into the zone. I, I've watched it a couple times now. He scored a, mm-hmm. the, that goal against Toronto... <clears throat> Right, stretching the leg, basically a stiff arm there a couple weeks mm-hmm. ago. It's it's just great. He's awesome at retrieving dump and chase, right? He, oh, okay. That that Talk that's his like bread that. and butter. Yeah, <laughs> like he gets down low and him and like he he finds Benson. Him and ben, actually he finds Middlestat. Middlestat then works the boards. Benson's just buzzing around everywhere, mostly in front of the net. But Greenway is one of those guys. He goes to the dirty areas, and that's why I like I don't like the idea of giving you guys to, uh, Greenway because mm-hmm. we don't really have somebody who does what Greenway does. Yeah. Also, I believe we gave up a second and a fifth for Greenway. Yeah, you're not getting that back. Like, well, that's 30 my points, point. 30 points, right? Like, like um, I think that's what it's projected to get this year is 30 points. Like, it's not nothing, right? And I understand Greenway has a lot more to his game than just the points. But I'm just not sure what Greenway is worth, right? Like, if, if we're giving up a third round pick for Jordan Greenway, I'm okay with that, right? Like, I'm not to the moon. But that's kind of a thing where I'm like, if we're giving up just one third round pick, okay, you know, you're, this team's done a great job. They deserve a toy to help them out, you know? And maybe Jordan Greenway with that big body ends up replacing Andre Kuzmenko on the first line. Maybe Jordan Greenway, you know, uh, ends up being a good fit on that second line instead of Hoaglander and you move Hoaglander down to the fourth line. Uh, whatever it is, right? Maybe he he's a fairly versatile player, so maybe you find a spot for him, but... I'm not giving up anything more than a third round pick just because it's a, it's a maybe, right? It's a marginal improvement. We're not getting say Jake Gensel, who we can talk about in a second. Um, it's, it's not someone, you know, is a guaranteed top six threat. Who's going to do something. So you go, okay, you know, what a first and whatever else you make it work. Yeah, um, he makes, he doesn't like to your point. He doesn't make Kuzmenko benchable. <laughs> yes, exactly. That, that's exactly my point, right? Kuzmenko has 40 goal upside. He's definitely not going to hit it this year. But like, even being benched, Kuzmenko has um, 19 points in 33 games. Nothing to like write home about, but it's not bad at all. That's uh, for someone who's being benched and then like demoted in the lineup all the time. Like 19 points in 33 games is pretty solid. Um, and and but we talk about Gensel and. <laughs> For you guys get to get Gensel, first of all, you're going to have to give up quite a bit, which, yeah. you know, with the way the season's going, you guys are eyes on the cup, right? I mean, yeah, absolutely. It's not one of those, hey, we just, we need a guy that's going to get us to the wild card, right? That's, that's not what Gensel does. Gensel's yeah. the guy that gets you to the cup. But yeah. I then look at it and say, is Pittsburgh really going to want to give away Gensel? I know they may not sign him to an extension, which still feels crazy to me because, their core mm-hmm. is like 41 years old on average. Uh, and he's about the only yeah. guy that could, you know, transition <laughs> Pittsburgh to the next generation. Um, mm-hmm. But I mean, they're two points out. They are equal. They're a level on games played and then two points out. They're behind Tampa is the only team ahead of them on points percent. Or actually, no, I'm sorry. Washington is the only team ahead of them on points percentage. But still, I, 
I, I, I know this is a report from The Athletic, but I just really, none of it makes logical sense if you look at both sides of it. Now, it's the NHL. Mm-hmm. Not everything needs to make sense. We've seen plenty of that. Rasmus Ristolainen went for a first and a second, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> nothing makes sense anymore. But, um, but, 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 you know, it's just like, I don't, I don't see the fit for Greenway. I can understand Gensel, but mm-hmm. are the Pittsburgh Penguins selling? Are you guys going to give up the assets? Like, Lekkermaki, a first and something. Right. Yeah, I, I think I was talking about this with my cousin a little bit. Um, so for Gensel, I think you'd want to, obviously you're right, first round pick is the necessity that has to be in there. Then I think they're going to want a roster player as well. And I think Kuzmenko is the perfect fit. He has one more year left on his deal. The other thing we haven't talked about is that Kuzmenko, has, actually maybe you alluded to it, but uh, Kuzmenko is a UFA. Um, or not Kuzmenko, sorry. Uh, Gensel is a UFA. Yes. Uh, so it could be a matter of Gensel's just not going to resign and they want to get something. Now, I also understand they're all also pretty all in and ownership wants uh, them to make the playoffs this year. So Dubas may not have a choice but to keep Gensel. Um, and honestly, the Canucks may very well pursue Gensel in free agency if he gets there. Uh, but I think if we can, right, if if Dubas can, because I think Dubas knows this isn't going to work, right? Like he's doing what he has to to make ownership happy, but I think he wants to tear this down and try again. Um, so well, if he... it's it's a tough look, though. You go out and get Carlson. He's making 10 mil a season for, yeah. you know, three seasons after this one. You got Crosby next year. You got Malkin next year and the following one. Um, mm-hmm. They still have 18 mil in cap space. They have Tristan Jari signed. They need to find a backup, but it's a backup goalie. Yeah. Um, they have, I think, four defensemen under contract, two, four, six, eight forwards under contract. How much is, is Gensel going to get is the question, right? We're, we're, mm-hmm. we're starting to talk about how much is he going to get? And does he fit into your guys' cap plans in the future? You're talking about having to re-sign Patterson <laughs> this year. You want to give out two $11 million contracts this offseason? I don't think Gensel's getting 11 mil, but uh, yeah, he'll he'll definitely get a pretty penny. And I think that's where you have to figure out the cap, right? Like, obviously, you have to move on from Kuzmenko, maybe Connor Garland, um, what, whatever it is. But uh, yeah, in terms of trade pieces, uh, you're right. It'd be a high-end prospect. I think I don't think the Canucks should give up either Willander or um, or Lecker Mackey. I think you give up Hunter Bruskevich, who was at one point was the top scorer in the OHL. Uh, by the way, he's a defenseman, uh, and he was the top <laughs> scorer in the OHL. Um, so I'll, I'll let that sit there and speak for itself. Um, but yeah, I think my quote-unquote mock trade, and again, I'm a Canucks fan, so please take this pinch of salt and a spoonful of delusion. Uh, a first-round pick, uh, former forty, almost 40-goal 40 scorer, Andre Kuzmenko, with one year left uh, beyond this year. Uh, Andre Bruskevich and a future third round pick okay the, the, i can see them wanting a better prospect yeah i, I like the kuzmenko idea they, again he's got one more year left so that's nice i think pittsburgh though if i'm dubis and i have to um you know navigate the future mm-hmm. i'm gonna try and get guys that keep me competitive but also in a at prospects that are a year or two away right you just mentioned all your guys that were for team Sweden this year. I, yeah. I if I'm Dubis, I'm saying, give me Kuzmenko first. And one of those guys skip. I, I, I don't care about the future third. Like give me one of the three Swedes that just I won see. silver. So yeah, that that's what I would ask for. It, it just, 
obviously I'm a neutral third party here. I can just throw trades out like willy nilly, but yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I think going back to the, the start of the conversation, I think Gensel makes more sense than Greenway. I don't mm-hmm. see the fit for Greenway. I don't think, I don't think Kevin Adams is going to less than 365 calendar days <laughs> yeah. from giving a second and a fifth for a guy turn around and give him for a third. Right. Mm-hmm. I think if it's a very good role and I've really, really liked the Sabres lines now that we have a healthy roster and mm-hmm. that's, you know, through throughout the season, that's one of the things that's kind of been buried in the whole story of the inconsistencies of the young team Sabres is that Jack Quinn was out until late December mm-hmm. and then Tuck was out. Thompson was out. Darlene missed a game or two in there. I think, um, you know, Greenway missed some time. Gergensen's missed some time. Oposo's out now. Right. I mean, like all of these guys miss games. That's like our entire roster has missed at least a game or two. So, mm-hmm. it, and now that we finally are healthy, you've seen us finally. I know. I, I can't believe I didn't start the show with this. We've won two games in a row for the first time since Halloween. Woo! Yay, Sabres! Woo! Oh man, I know. Last week was a rant mode. This week, I, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not talking playoffs right now, right? Um. But just, mm-hmm. just to recap the games, uh, you and I watched the Columbus Blue Jackets game. Um, yes. I thought that was a great experience. I got to, you know, af- obviously after the rant, we stuck around to watch the Blue Jackets game. Um, yeah. And you just could see the frustrations there. I think they played a great game. They were close to getting goalied, but also st- Columbus didn't generate anything, right? So naturally mm-hmm. you were going to have this advanced analytics um, advantage. Right. We're talking expected goals advantage, right? Deserve to win a meter on money puck. Yeah. Right. (laughs) I mean, you're going to crush them because they didn't do anything, but you didn't really push the envelope. There was some, there were some chances that were crazy. They didn't go in, but um, I don't think I didn't feel like we dominated the ice, right? It was one way traffic, but in the offensive zone, they weren't getting to the high danger areas in my opinion. Um, And I think that, that led to us not being that difficult to play against. It's just happened to be our skill was greater than Columbus's. And that's how we won it in overtime. You know, Skinner, I mm-hmm. believe was the scorer of that, that, that overtime goal. It was great. Yeah. Um, great to see that. Um, and then we move on to the game against Ottawa on new year's Eve, our <laughs> a beautiful chance, a team that was, I think three games, four games into a brand new coach. Yeah. Yeah, just came off a dominating win, dominating air quotes against <laughs> the Columbus Blue Jackets in overtime, and you just get bo- you just get absolutely bodied by Ottawa. Yeah. They they again failed to win two games in a row. They did not capitalize on good high danger chances against Forsberg, statistically one of the worst goalies in the league this year. Hey 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 hey! I I, I you know what? I'm a ride for Forsberg. All right, I think he's a good goalie. I I think Anton Forsberg is a good goalie. I know maybe he's not having the best year, but I think Forsberg is capable of games like this. And I think, sorry to interject. Um, uh, I want to kind of compare it's very funny doing this podcast with you listening to you and then actually watching sabers games and watching everything you say kind of come to fruition on your screen even that columbus game watching them do all the things you said watching tage thompson not go to the front of the net and in fact the one goal that did go in that we were watching together that wasn't the overtime goal they were banging it in from the front of the net so it's 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 very funny watch like listening to this and like be like okay all right this is the sabers fans rant and then you see it all happen in live time like you see it in the senators game as well like it's just 
there's a lot of missed opportunities. And again, hopefully, you know, the last two games will be a better indicator um, as to where Sabres are going as opposed to, you know, the whole beginning of the season here. But uh, yeah, sorry, please continue with the Senators game. I just wanted to throw that in there. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, the, 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 the Senators game was just, it was a lot of low danger stuff, right? If you look <clears> at the stats, you're seeing, oh, they were like, they had the Corsi advantage and they had the shots <laughs> for advantage, right? They had 34 shots to the Senators 25 at five on five. But <clears> if you go look, I mean, I use natural stat trick. You could use money puck. You could use evolving hockey and just look for the dots. The Sabres, the Sabres were shooting from above the top of the circle quite a bit. Now that can <clears> work, <throat> but they didn't have anybody in front of the net. And that strategy doesn't work <laughs> without net front presence. And then you like it, this, this game is the perfect snapshot of what's been frustrating with the Sabres losses this year. It's, it's not like they got goalied um, mm-hmm. or anything. I mean, they, they did technically he had like 39 saves all in all in, in the game Forsberg did. Yeah. Uh, but you look at the shot map, Ottawa's has almost no shots from above the top of the circle. They've got a bright red heat map circle in the <laughs> slot right at the top of the crease where you really don't want to give up chances Uh, and Buffalo Buffalo's got half their chances above the circles and then half below. So yes, you can say the stats look good, but when you watch the game, it just didn't feel that way. Yeah. Uh, And then we can move on to the next game against another Canadian opponent in Montreal and Mm -hmm. Montreal. I've got written down here. Tage started to look back Mm -hmm. Tage Thompson in the Montreal game did some things that I'm like, okay, Tage looks like he's getting his feet back under him. And then obviously you watch the Pittsburgh game. I mean, Tage Thompson did some Tage Thompson things uh, against Pittsburgh. I mean, and there are things that don't show up on the highlight reel, but he's dangling between two dudes um, who are trying to forecheck him. He's like really in tight. He shoulders both of them off toe drags. And all of a sudden (laughs) it's a three on two. And he's able to just dump it in the zone and get a line. Like that's the kind of thing that only Tage Thompson can do that kind of thing. So that was exciting against Pittsburgh, but sticking with Montreal, Yes, it was a 6-1 win. I don't, I, I, it wasn't a 6-1 game. It was mm-hmm. a, it was, it was, Sab- it was a Sabres 3-2 game. Uh, if mm. I had to put a number on it, right? 4-3, 3-2, depending on the goaltending. Really, the, the, the difference in this game was Levi played yeah. well. And Jake Allen. 70 brilliant. Yeah. And then Levi, or, and then Jake Allen played poorly. I mean, even, even Rob Ray on the broadcast was saying like, mm-hmm. just throw pucks on Allen. Like this is not his night. Uh, and, it, <laughs> and, it, and it wasn't. Yeah. I mean, the high danger chances were about even um, the shots. The, the Sabres had more shots, but again, um, they are prone to take further shots out. Now the uh, Canadians did the same thing. So it was kind of like a back and forth that way, but the Sabres mm-hmm. got some puck luck. Uh, they did generate a good amount of chances down in tight too, which is ultimately the deciding factor, the power play. How do I, how do I not lead with the power play? I was just excited mm-hmm. about Tage, but the power play finally scored. The Sabre yeah. power play, I think has like 16 goals on 120 attempts this year. Not good for a team that mm-hmm. scored over 300 goals last year, but they got two here against Montreal. Uh, they mm-hmm. didn't score on the first one and it looked bad, but the nice part is they got to the bench. They talked about it um, and they're down the stretch. Uh, they got two by working down low because the Canadians, Marty Baron broke it down and everything, but like the Canadians penalty kill was very high. Three guys high trying to uh, stop the, the Sabre cycle between Darlene and Thompson and whoever's on the other side at that moment. Um, (laughs) And then um, they would just move it down to Skinner and Tuck who were both down low and cross crease 
bang. I mean, goal, right? That they scored Bob's both goals uncle. the same. <laughs> yeah, like they scored both goals just mirrored. Like it was, it was. I think I would think it was Tuck to Skinner from left to right, mm-hmm. and then it was Skinner to Tuck right to left. Um, it was the same play. Just, I mean, it was just like, man, Montreal, what, what are you doing? Like, Darlene at the blue line is not your threat here. It's, it's Tuck and Skinner right next to Jake Allen, right? Um, and then finally, the, the, the Pittsburgh game. Just watched it last night. Holy cow, Uko Pekalukinen, take a bow because yeah, absolutely. Sabers took the lead, one nothing, and said, "We did our job. Good luck, Uko." <laughs> uh, and then just, just stopped playing any kind of offense now pittsburgh was really good at stopping their transition but man holy cow that pittsburgh game was i was just like this well pittsburgh scored two goals that didn't count so there you go that could be the (laughs) difference right um but but that pittsburgh game was just like overwhelmingly pittsburgh and and, you know they finally uh, the sabers battled well down the stretch um and it was like it, it was really weird because they were when they went up one nothing, they shut the doors. They were like, okay, we're mm-hmm. done with offense. Or they just couldn't generate offense. Pittsburgh changed. The game got open, right? And I'm like, oh, yes, please play an open game because that's where the Sabres thrive, on the rush. Tage Thompson, Tuck, you know, Cousins with Paterka and Quinn flying out mm-hmm. the kids line. And then, you know, you got yeah. Greenway banging bodies and, and Middlestat working the wall. <laughs> <Pause>. like, <yeah. laughs> but but it didn't, it didn't the, the Sabres couldn't generate anything good. It was it was honestly strange to see, and it was thank God for goaltending. Otherwise, they 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 should have lost this game like five one, straight up. Mm-hmm. This game should have been a five to one game. Now, I maybe I'm giving Pittsburgh a little bit too much credit. They didn't generate too much high danger stuff themselves at even strength. Mm-hmm. Right? They had that five on three for four minutes because there were two penalties called after the. Okay, Pittsburgh, you guys did not get job offside goals are not the ref's fault. Like really? if you get challenged and it doesn't count, you guys can't chant ref you suck because the replay <laughs> showed that he was offside. Like, it was bad. No, no, Ryan, they should have moved the blue line so that the goals counted. Come on, refs, do your job. That's Sidney Crosby. Okay. That's the greatest player of this generation. If he's offside, you freaking say he's not offside. All right. Take that well, Ryan penguins it, it, for life. I did. I did at, at the intermission flip to the Penguins broadcast because my my subscription. I'm close enough uh, geographically that mm. Pittsburgh to Buffalo. I I get the Pittsburgh feed. Nice. Um, so I can wa- I can watch the Pittsburgh. Um, and they were like, well, that took away greatness. But like the he he was right. I mean that that the play by Crosby on the first one where Crosby was offside was mm. insane. Yeah. Now because he was offsides, he gained a step on the defenseman, which allowed him to be in that position. But we won't talk about that. We'll talk about the amazing <laughs> backhand chop that, you know, uh, O'Connor or Connor, I think his name is uh, that the number 10, the, the, the guy, yeah, yeah. the Connor Sherry replacement, that yeah, yeah. random dude that's going to put up 30 because he's next to Crosby and Gensel. Yeah. Um, <laughs> obviously, I'm, I'm 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 not familiar with your game. I apologize. But, uh, <laughs> um. But no, it was great. He had an empty net to tap into. And then the other one was goaltender interference where Gensel smacked the face of, uh, of Uko Pekalukin with his butt. So, mm-hmm. he, I mean, his butt was in the crease. It was one of those. That's the one that I guess Pittsburgh fans are upset about. But I don't mm-hmm. know. Personally, I think those are both rightfully waved off. Uh, yeah. It kept the Sabres in the game. The second period, the Sabres showed 
I mean, I didn't, I didn't, I don't think I saw any Sabres players on the ice except for Uka Pekalukin in that second period. It was weird, yeah. right? It was like, it was like five on <laughs> O practice. It was crazy. Um, and then in the third period, when Pittsburgh eventually tied it, um, the Sabres came back to life. It was like, hello. All of a sudden, they put on a, uh, some chances. Zemkis Gergensen's in front of the net battling that line. Former Eric Robinson. Yes. Yes. <laughs> former All Star. Uh, he battled and, and wax at home a 2 1 Buffalo. So, it's just it's this this team that against Pittsburgh, right? You're not going to get your free rush chances. Yeah. You got to get to the front of the net, and Zemgus Gergensen's proved it. Great play by Krebs on that one. Robinson, I, I believe Samuelson might have been the guy to take the shot from the point, but just throw it mm. on. I mean, and then Gergensen picks up the loose puck, whacks it in, and it's not pretty, but it works. So until this team shows me the commitment to do that, I kind of feel like the game against Montreal could have gone either way, and yeah. the Pittsburgh game... I think I looked at deserved a winnow meter. It was like 87%. Like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. Like I, I, I'm a goalie guy, you know, maybe the Demko, this is Demko shirt, by the way, uh, the, the goalie branding was a giveaway, but UPL was goddamn spectacular. Anytime you can get 40 plus saves with just a goal against, that's a dominating goalie performance. There is no if, ands or buts about it. I don't care if the one goal was them dumping it, from the other side of the ice and it went in and every single shot was a point shot you could see. When you're at that volume of shots, there's just anything that can happen. And obviously if it's an NHL level game, not every shot's gonna be an easy shot to save, right? And you're taking on Crosby and Malkin and all these guys, you know? Um Yeah, that so- by the way, that that first line power play had four minutes at five on three. Yeah. And they barely got a tip in from Raquel with eight seconds left. Yeah, I mean, so, the penalty kill, I, I was going to come out here talking about that. I was like, finally, the penalty mm-hmm. kill, you know, they've been terrible all season, except for like the first two weeks. And I was like, oh, man, they got scored on. It was like, you can't really. I mean, but the, I, I got to say they did do a great job. I mean, you're talking yeah, Carlson, you're talking Malkin, you're talking Crosby, you're talking yeah. Gensel and then Ricard Raquel for that's four a minutes. That's at deadly. five on three. That's, and that's they a... scored one. That that's a top ten power play unit, you know. That that's an absolutely on deadly power play unit on paper. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, not really. That, that, but on paper, yes. Um, but but now that we've got, gotten two, let's go for three, right? We got the Seattle Kraken coming on Tuesday, mm-hmm. and you know, I, yeah, listen, I'm not I'm not all of a sudden after the rant episode last week. I'm not all of a sudden screaming we're going to make the playoffs, but um, you got a chance to go on a run and make the mm-hmm. end of the season at least interesting. You got yeah. a bunch of a bunch of beatable teams coming to town. Yeah. Uh we got a Jesus, they're home for three like two weeks. <laughs> the, the next uh what what is this? One, two, three, four, five, six. The next six games are on home ice. Mm-hmm. Um from the ninth to the twentieth, the that's their home stretch. And then they fly out to Anaheim for the twenty third. But they're home. Like they can practice, they can sleep in their own bed, they can see their yeah. wife and kids. They got and the teams. It's not like you got the toughest schedule. I think Rob Ray last night, according to him, I haven't fact checked this, but seventh easiest schedule remaining for the Buffalo Sabres. So if you want to make the season interesting, go on a seven game winning streak here. After <laughs> Well, no, but I'm saying that's the only thing that's going to make it interesting, right? You can't. I, I, we're, I, we're talking about it. We talked about it a couple episodes ago. A 10 game mm-hmm. winning streak puts them in the conversation like, to make the season interesting, you need to get as many points as possible, probably like 75% of these points here, including Montreal and Pittsburgh. Those two wins already in the bag. you got Seattle, Ottawa, Vancouver, San Jose, Chicago, and Tampa. 
mm-hmm. coming to your building for the next two weeks. Yeah. String them together. Seattle, they've played better as of late, but they're still not the same team as last, not a hundred point team. Ottawa, clearly you just got dumpstered by them on New Year's Eve. Get some revenge, and they've not been playing that great. Vancouver, yeah. I'm gonna hope for some PDO regression in that game. <laughs> <laughs> um San Jose, we know that they've got like nine wins on the season, uh, and we're in 2024. Yeah, um, they are, uh, by the way, they are 0-11-0 in their last 11 games. You did try to tell me that they were not a bottom feeder anymore. They I was not wrong. a bunch of bumps. Uh, hands, hands up here. <laughs> I'm wrong. I was wrong. Dead wrong. Sharks suck. My bad, bro. And then, and then after San Jose, you've got Chicago, who the only pl- player on that team that makes them a relevant and watchable franchise just fractured his draw- jaw, yeah. Connor Bedard. He's not going to be there got- for that game. And then you've got Tampa Bay, who's, they're in it, sure, but they're not the same Tampa Bay they've been. They've got goaltending issues, right? I don't know yeah. if Vasilevsky, I don't think he'll be back. They back, rushed him. They rushed him back. That was very foolish of them. They- he may he may be back by then, but will he be back to Vazzy that we know, right? Like, these are very winnable games, barring the Vancouver one. Every other game, I'd say the Sabres are 50-50 to win, but that's mm-hmm. been their MO this season. It's been 50-50. That's why your longest winning streak is two, and it's only happened twice this season. <laughs> and this is the second time it happened yesterday. So mm-hmm. I, I don't know, man. Listen, we got the uh, you, you go on a bit of a run here before the All-Star break. You make things interesting, right? Because after the homestand, you've got Anaheim, L.A., and then San Jose again. Like, mm-hmm. in the whole month of January, there's about two teams in there that I'm afraid of. Vancouver and L.A. Yeah. Uh, and, and you know what? Those are cross-country trips where L.A. doesn't see us much. We don't see you guys, right? Anything can happen in those games. We don't have any kind of familiarity. So, mm-hmm. uh, listen, they, they, they need to have a phenomenal January. January needs to be amazing if we're going to talk playoffs at all. Um, I, I I don't know. I just want them to be fun to watch. Like at this point, eighty nine points. Take a step back, but be good to watch down the stretch. Like just say, okay, the start of the season sucked. Let's go out and make some big moves, right? So I don't know. At least at least at least don't win a few in a row here. Like don't don't do this shit again where we lose, win, win. Or actually, not win-win. I'm no, sorry. you don't lose, win two in a row. Lose, lose. <laughs> we lose two in a row, but we don't win two in a row. So hopefully we can <laughs> snap that streak. You know, like make it four in a row. Take Vancouver to overtime. You're 4-0-1 in your last five. Yeah. You bounce back with three wins against San Jose, Chicago, and Tampa. You're 7-0-1 you know, in this eight-game stretch here to start the new year. And then you go to Ducks, Kings, and Sharks. You can make it 10-1-1 in January. And mm-hmm. then you're still six, seven points out of the playoff conversation. I mean, that, it's 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 kind of absurd that that's what needs to happen. But hey, could be fun games to watch. Teams healthy. Let's see if they boys can get on a roll here before the All Star break. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think, like you mentioned, uh, the last couple of games, Tage is four points in his last two games. Big two goal performance on that night that the power play was going as well. Um, Ultimately, you're gonna ride or die off of your big stars. Obviously, if you know Jordan Greenway's banging bodies, pause as you said, and uh, you know um, everyone else in the depth is contributing, like Olafson and Co. But ultimately, you're gonna be bound by Thompson, uh, by uh, Cousins, by Dolan, by Power, and ultimately by your goaltending. You know, if you keep getting more performances like that from Levi and Ukopekalukanen, 
you guys have a real shot of you know giving this a shot but obviously you can't expect 970 save percentages back to back you know we talk about pdo (laughs) i think your pdo is gonna be pretty damn high for these two games it wasn't even that crazy to be honest Mm. it was 113 in both games which which is a typical vancouver game <laughs> we'll defy statistics. You'll see. You'll all see. <laughs> oh, but you, I mean, we mentioned it a couple times. We're talking about the All Stars. Congratulations to Quinn Hughes and mm-hmm. Rasmus Dahlin, our representatives for Good the All Star game. And, and don't be, af- guys, don't forget to vote. NHL.com slash vote. Let's get some of the other guys on the team. We know what Dahlin's done, we know what Quinn Hughes has done. Mm-hmm. Who are some of the other guys? I mean, you get 10, I think, oh, I think it's, yeah, it's eight skaters and four goalies. Mm-hmm. Give us two or three Canucks that we should vote for. Yeah, um, obvious one, Thatcher Demko. He's been beyond solid. Um, two Played good two out of three games this week, so we'll just ignore that third one. Um, but yeah, no, he he's the backbone, right? There are lots of games this year that Demko is just won by himself, right? And that's ultimately, I think, the sign of a goalie is your goal is always to make all the saves you're supposed to and a couple that you shouldn't. And generally speaking, that's what Demko's been able to do for the Canucks. So that, that's obviously my first pitch. Uh, another pitch is Quinn Hughes' defensive partner, who we mentioned, a fellow minute muncher of Quinn Hughes, uh, uh, Philip Peronik. Um, you're, you're only as good as your top pairing defenseman in this league, right? And ultimately, or sorry, I should say your top pair of defensemen. Um, and, you know, we've had Quinn Hughes for a while. He's been good for a while, right? It's just, and yes, he's better this year than he was in previous years, but he's always been good, but people haven't noticed, right? It's because this year, he finally has a stable defense partner. His best defense partner ever was uh, Tanev, and the year he had Tanev, we went to the bubble. And we were we were almost made it to the conference finals. Since then, his yeah. best defensive partner has been Luke Shen. That's not a joke. Not, Luke Shen. Not great. No, not at all. So now that he finally has Philip Peronik, it's been a world of difference. And even on his own, Philip Peronik has been spectacular. One of the better acquisitions, you know, it's funny. You spend a first round pick on, in a trade and generally you get a good player. JT you were Miller, mad about that. Philip Peronik. Both times I was mad about it. I was at the <laughs> JT Miller draft and I booed when we made the trade. I was like, no. But both times, you know what? Fair playing two different GMs. First round pick out the door, and we've gotten key players, you know, freaking one of the top five scorers in the league in JT Miller, and my other, uh, I'll get to him in a second, but my second uh, ask for the all-star vote, Philip Ronick. He's been just an amazing defenseman. I know at the beginning of the year, for like the first five or six games, uh, Hughes and Ronick just didn't even give up a goal when they were on the ice. And, you know, they haven't been that level of dominant uh, anymore in terms of defense, but they've still been bloody spectacular. So, my second ask you would be Philip Ronick, and you know, just to keep balance as all things should be. Uh, my third suggestion will be a forward, you know, one of the leading scorers in the NHL, JT Miller. This is one of the more obvious ones, and I think if we weren't doing this participation draft, no disrespect, of course. Um, I like guess no, Dolan would have made it anyways. Dolan would have been an All Star regardless. So you know what? This Probably. doesn't affect you. This affects more of the Boom Jenners of the world and all that. Um, <laughs> I, I, JT Miller would have obviously been an all-star. So I, I think he's one of the easier people to vote for. Like, even if, you know, you throw my bias aside, he's one of the leading scorers in the league. Plain and simple. He's yeah. been dominant on both sides of the ice. JT Miller is an easy, easy pick. I don't think I even need to justify it. But 
for those I think who like to indulge, sorry, sorry to cut you off, but for those who like to indulge in a little bit of trolling, Andre Kuzmenko, vote for him. Piss off talking. <laughs> Canucks fans. That would be amazing. Vote for him. Well, first of all, we all love him. First of all, it's only talking who doesn't like him. Everyone else loves Kuzmenko, okay? Everyone loves Kuzi. So vote for him for multiple reasons. A, it raises trade value. If he's an all-star, he commands more trade value, so we can get more for him. Second, show how we feel. We all love Kuzi. Let's say it's okay if he turns the puck over on occasion. He can score 40 bloody goals. Play him with Pedersen and Mikheyev. Third, he's just funny. Like when he scores, he like picks up in the air and celebrates. Like he's great. He's Kuzi. He eats bananas and Pepsi on the bench. Freaking voting Kuzi. Sorry, I know I did US for I... three. That's one extra. You need a personality guy at the All-Star game. You need somebody mm-hmm. to like to do something that makes the All-Star game memorable, you know? Like yeah. John like nobody's ever going to forget the John I'm not I'm not going to compare Kuzmenko to John Scott, but like, no, no, no. the John <laughs> Scott All-Star game. Like nobody's ever going to forget that. That was one, one of the best and, All-Star games ever. Yes. And like Zemgus Gergensen's making it for the Sabres. Like that was that awesome, was awesome for us. Those are the two so, All-Star references I, I, I make the most. Is John Scott and Zemgus Gergensen. So Latvia took over, and I love it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but I, no, I, I really can't. I can't disagree with you on any of those. There's, there's nothing else that I, I would say. I mean, Elias Pettersson, just because of name recognition, and mm-hmm. I mean, we all know he's a star. Yeah. I would like to see all stars at the th- at the all stars competition, right? Mm-hmm. As much as we want to talk about trolling and things like that. Yeah. So if we're gonna throw in a fourth guy, because you can split your ballot, right? Eight skaters, four goalies, uh, four Sabres skaters, four uh, Canucks skaters, and then mm-hmm. give each goalie. I mean, Demko. I was thinking, I was listening to you talk about Demko. I'm like, there's no way they keep Demko out of the All Star game. Like, I know you guys mm-hmm. represented him as Quinn Hughes, but like Demko. I mean, come on, Demko's going right like i'm gonna i'm mm-hmm. gonna flip a table if demko doesn't go to the all-star game <laughs> you flip a table i might i might go to jail for a couple weeks you might have to go without the podcast because hey, yeah I, i'm gonna go wreck you guys shit. <laughs> you guys have you guys have experience rioting so i wouldn't put it past yeah no um, <laughs> i'm fed into the stereotypes no <laughs> Well, all right, so now, all right, now it's my turn. I get to talk about some of the guys that I think the Sabres should send. I, I really don't think we're going to get a second guy at the All-Star game. I don't see it happening, especially, you know, when Mitch Marner and the Toronto Maple Leafs exist, right? Yeah. Like, he, come on. Um, but uh, the, the first guy, the first guy, uh, without a doubt, Casey Middlestad. Maybe mm. his only chance at an All-Star game ever. But he mm-hmm. had 86 points in the calendar year. Uh, of 2023 uh, mm-hmm. in 82 games. Casey Middlestat also leads the Sabres in points. He has the uh, third most goals with 11 on the team. He's one of the only players with a plus. And I, I think Middlestat is one of those guys that has had to endure really rough years here in Buffalo. One of those guys that, you know, everyone wanted to trade. He sucks. Get rid of him. You know, after, after his third NHL season, uh, you know, and then now back-to-back years, I mean, 2023 was the middle stat year. He really did go middle stat mode um, <laughs> and he was dominant. Um, and, and it's just awesome. Like watching him become the player he's become. I really do think Casey Middlestat deserves a shot, right? Like vote, vote put Casey Middlestat on your ballot. Cause I, I do think Casey Middlestat, um, I mean, leading our team in points, first of all, isn't a minus 13, like Darlene, who's got the worst plus minus on the team. Um, 
you know, so he he uh, he definitely does play twenty five minutes a night though. So we'll yeah, take that with a grain of salt. Pass on that one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but hey, Middlestat plays eighteen fifty and is a plus seven mm. compared to Darlene's minus thirteen. So take that for what it is. Um, but that's that's easily my first first vote. He's been one of the only Sabres forwards to be healthy this season. Um, and the next guy I'll talk about is JJ Paterka. I mm. think JJ Paterka has been phenomenal to watch. I think he's really ascended here in year number two. Obviously, you guys know he's like my favorite player. Uh, he's at least up there, right? Uh, he's got 12 goals, 26 points, another plus on the Sabres right now. Um, he's only playing 16 minutes a night, but I mean, watching him fly down the ice, he's really entertaining to watch. Plays Does play a 200-foot game and does it with speed. I think watching J.J. Paterka at a three-on-three All-Star game would be awesome. It'd be so cool to see him there. Absolutely. Um, I think he will get other chances. This is not his best season uh, of his career by any stretch. Uh, I I know that there's more to come from J.J. Mm-hmm. Paterka, but, but you know, you got eight spots. You're going to use four of them on the Sabres. Put J.J. <laughs> Paterka in there, right? Um, and then finally, you did three, I'll do three. Uh, Jeff Skinner. I think Jeff Skinner mm. is continuing to just shake off the ralph Kruger effect um you're talking about (laughs) sending guys that can score 40 uh to the to the all-star game he scored 40 that's true coming off (laughs) back-to-back seasons of 33 and 35 he was 82 points in 79 last season right now he's got 16 goals in 37 games 31 goal uh, 31 points in those 37 games as well so he's not just a goal scorer he can kind of do it all he's one of those half a point half a goal uh per game kind of guy so Jeff Skinner, fun to watch. Would love to hear him mic'd up. Oh my God, Jeff Skinner, hilarious. Like the chirps, when Jeff oh, Skinner yeah. gets engaged, it is fun to watch. And, you know, he was uh, he was chirping Domi the other night mm. against uh, Toronto where he was talking about his teeth or lack thereof. Uh, so, <laughs> when, and especially, and Marty Baranz even said this during the like intermissions and stuff, like when Skinner gets going, you just, he's like, what is that squeaking noise? Because his voice gets very <laughs> high pitched. Um, and if you've ever heard Jeff Skinner mic'd up, you'll know that it's, 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 Hey, 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 over here. And it's, <laughs> it's Mickey Mouse. It's, it's literally like that. But I think Jeff Skinner would be, you know, just a fun addition. And I think he deserves it. Right. I don't know if he's, he's been to the all-star game. I think at uh, least once. He was there, I think he was there last year. Um, I'm not sure about that. I'm trying to, there's, there's nothing really here that tells me uh, if they were at the All-Star game, right? I think he was there when he played for Carolina. I think he was there when he scored 40 in Buffalo his first season here. He must Don't have, know if yeah. we've sent him back since, but I think he's a guy that would be fun to watch at the All-Star game. So you got eight spots. There's three Canucks. There's three Sabres. Also, maybe two spots for your own favorite players, or you can pick some uh, one or two of us. Listen, I, I'd love to say send one of our goalies. Don't think any of them really deserve it. They've been hot. They've been cold. Yes, some of it's been the team, but also some of it has been their own doing. So unlike Demko, don't think there's a Sabres goalie deserving and should be there. There's no <laughs> if a Sabres goalie doesn't make it. I'm flipping no tables. I'm dusting the table, actually. <laughs> um, but no, I, I, I think I'm excited. You know, they won two in a row. They didn't look good doing it, but they did it. Maybe that's got some confidence. The Canucks, yeah. can you keep it rolling? I'm I'm really loving to see you guys just continue, right? One of the worst things that I was I was thinking is we were going to start this podcast. You guys were going to be at the top. And then the second we recorded episode one, you guys would just nosedive. Like yeah. <laughs> go two twelve and 2 in your last 14 or something like that. And then yeah. we're both just depressed. But at least one of us gets to be happy. <laughs> but I hope you guys are happy, too. That is uh, all we have. Happy New Year, everybody. I know this is the second episode of the year, but technically it's our first week of 2024. Hope you guys mm-hmm. had a good one. 
If you are new, make sure to subscribe to the podcast. If you enjoyed it, leave a five-star rating. Tell your friends and give us a listen again next week. Every Monday, you know where to find us, and we will see you guys there. Peace.